Great to have you here today, whether you're joining on Facebook or those that are here in the service, we welcome you here this morning. And as we get started, I thought of something that might help us out with, with some of this thing, some of this stuff we're going to get into here today. And um, I'm going to call on a couple of people to help me out on this. Max and Mia, can you take these two pieces of paper, rip, up, rip them up into some tiny pieces and make things that look like seeds? I don't need a whole lot of them, but I need some. We're going to have some seeds. Any way that you, as long as they look like seeds to you, it's right. <laughs> well, last week we were looking at the words of Jesus that can be difficult at times. I heard uh, some comments from some of you saying that that was a difficult passage for you. When Jesus said, I came to bring division, to divide men from their fathers and daughters from their mothers and so forth. So we looked at what he was talking with that. That when he comes and he speaks things to you in the nighttime, he expects you to proclaim them in the day. When he whispers something to you in the ear, he expects you to shout it from the mountains, from the housetops. But what happens a lot of times is when we get revelation from God, when God speaks to us about something, and generally he's going to speak to you about things that are going on in your life. Things that are going on in society around you. Things that are going on with your family. Things that are going on with your neighbors. When he speaks these things to us, we can sometimes say, oh, but so-and-so won't agree with me on that. And they'll get mad with me. And we don't say it. We shut up about it. And he says, no, I expect you to cause division. If you are not willing to, to take my words that I've spoken to you at the risk of division, then you love them more than you love me. And if you love them more than you love me, guess what happens? <laughs> we don't want to do that. If I know something to be truth from the Word of God, no matter who gets mad at me for saying it, I've got to say it. Now, he said also, when he, he says, I send you out a sheep in amongst wolves. He said, be wise as serpents. So this is me, just because you know truth, you have to speak it. Sometimes it's just wise to just be like a snake off in the corner, just... Uh, you know, you got stuff, but I'm not ready to put it out there yet. Sometimes it's just, it's just better to do that and to be harmless as doves. But there's times a snake's got a strike or that snake goes hungry. <laughs> in, in the great God using snakes for uh, examples to teach us. Well, here today we're going to be taking a look at how to, how to sow good seeds for the things we need to harvest for. And we're going to take a look at this in the, in the area of fasting. How does fasting help me bring a better harvest? Now we're going to take a look at a passage that I know we all know and we've covered it before. We're looking at the, the first parable that Jesus gave, the parable of the sower. And as we look at the parable of the sower, I notice this about it. Jesus pulls his disciples aside and he spends some time talking about soil number one. How many here are like soil number one? Good, nobody raised their hand. He spent another bit of time talking about soil number two. Do we have any soil number twos present? He spent more time talking about soil number three. Any soil number threes present? No one wants to raise their hand. That's good. <laughs> but then he came to soil number four. And in case you need a hint, this is the good soil. <laughs> soil number four, this is the good one. This is the one that produced 30, 60, 100 fold. How many good soils do we have here? There we go. We got some, some good soils. He spent time talking about soil number one, soil number two, soil number three, soil number four. 
And he talked about how we could become these, these things. But if you want to get a harvest, now think about this. What do you have to do? You have to sow seeds. How much time did he spend talking about the sower? He talked about soil number one. He talked about soil number two. He talked about soil number three. He talked about soil number four. Do you know what he said about the sower? First off, he said the sower sows the seed. Then he said the sower sows. Why doesn't he spend more time talking about the sower if I'm going to go out and sow so I can get a harvest? There's got to be some stuff we've got to learn about the sower, right? Do you know that there's stuff inside this parable about the sower? We're going to take a look at that here this morning. How are we doing on seeds? All right. You let me know when you got a good handful there. We're going to use them. Now, we're going to be mostly in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 through 23. But I'm going to jump back to verse 3 here just for a moment. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. So the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. That's how he, that's how he told the parable. Now, after that, the disciples came to him and said, We don't understand. Uh, tell us about this. And so he said, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Then he who receives seed by the wayside. Well, this is he who receives seed by the wayside. So you don't understand it, and the, the enemy steals it. That's the first way he talked about. And we've, we've gone over all these soils before. This is nothing new to you. The enemy uh, will come. He takes the word that was sown in us. I don't understand it. I heard it, but I don't understand it. And so he's able to, able to take it. And I lose it. There's no harvest. Verse 20, but he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So this is the second one. He received the word in the stony places. He heard the word. Immediately he received it with joy. He's glad, excited. This is great. Came to the meeting, heard the, heard the teaching, got all excited, went out to uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, but he had no root. And when persecutions, when tough times came up, when it didn't seem to be working, anybody ever done something with the Word of God and it didn't seem to be working? He had no root, so he perished. Now he who receives seen among the thorns is he who hears the Word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the Word and he becomes unfruitful. So this seed got a little bit further, but the... The seed means the, the plant got choked out by the... Now, we're not spending time on the, on the three soils. I guess that's not our focus. Our focus is the sower. I want to find out about seeds. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So, if you want to be... Well, let's, let's look at this way. When we look at this parable, who receives the 30, 60, 100 fold? The soil? Who 
Who receives the 30, 60, 100 fold? You got some? All right, I'll take some from you. All right, how many? Got some in there too? All right, we're good. We got some seed. Who gets the reward? Who gets the, who gets the, um, the harvest? The sower. The soil doesn't get it. The soil produced it. Right? So the sower gets the, the harvest. Now we look at this as that uh, Jesus sows the word into us and we produce for him. But how many have your, in your confession, in your prayers that you, God, God I am sowing for this. How many have ever said this? And I am sowing for a new house. I'm going to sow this so that I can get my, my, my new house. I'm going to get, sow this so I can get a new car. I'm going to sow this so I can get, how many people have done that? That you became the sower. But Jesus doesn't teach you about the sower, does he? He teaches you about the soil. But the sower is the one who gets the word. So how does this parable teach us to sow? Now remember, the sower sows the word. Jesus has told us some things about the seed. He has said, first off, that the, the, uh, the sower, he goes out and what's he do? He sows it. He throws it. Right? He takes this seed and he just kind of throws it on out. And some, as he's throwing it around here, some of it goes by the wayside. And some of it goes by the stony places. And some of it goes, and he tells all the different places that it lands. But some of it lands on good soil. And produces some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. This is what he'll, he'll get. So I began to go over this and said, well, tell me about the sower. How can we sow? So I went back to the, to the soils. And do you know the sower's in there? Let me show you what's, where it is. I put this in your outline for you. I want you to look at each soil and I want you to notice two words. Two words in each soil. Let's go to the first one. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this is he who receives seed by the wayside. Now you heard the two words, but they may not have jumped out at you. I'm going to read the second soil. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Same two words were in that. Did you see it? Received and hears. Third soil. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for only for a while. For when tribulation persecution arises, because of the word immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. See it again? Received. Hears. All three soils are exactly the same in the receiving and the hearing. So we have one thing that is in common with all four soils. We didn't read the fourth one yet, did we? But he receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. They're in there too, aren't they? There is one other thing beside the seed that all four soils have in common, beside received and hears. The sower. The sower sows the word. All four soils have the same sower in the story. All four soils received. All four soils heard. There is no difference in that some certain soils did not hear. All four soils heard. So this tells me 
that in relationship to the seed and the soil, there are two things that are needed, but just because you have those two things doesn't mean you will have success. First off, you need to hear. And secondly, you need to receive. If there is no hearing, there can be no receiving. But I can hear and receive and not produce anything. Does that come as a surprise to anyone? I can hear the word and receive the word, but not produce anything. Now, that tells us about the soil. The soil is doing the hearing. The soil is doing the receiving. So what's that tell me about the sower? If the way we receive is through hearing. That's in this, in this, in the parable. The way that I receive is through hearing. Isn't that pretty clear? If I'm going to receive the seed, I have to hear it. I have to hear the word. If I'm going to receive the word, I have to hear the word. So the way that we sow must be through speaking. But he never said that, did he? Is it possible for the sower to sow the word without speaking if the way that the soil receives it is through hearing? It's not. So the sower is going to speak the word. Now, you remember that Jesus said, over in the New Testament, we have it written that, um, I guess it was Paul. Paul is exhorting us. How shall they go? Lest they be sent. They have, to, they have to be sent. They have to go. They have to preach so that the people can hear. So Jesus is not the only one speaking. So are we. If I want to just be soil, all I have to do is receive. If I want to be a sower, what do I have to do? The difference between a sower and soil is a sower speaks and the soil hears. If you want to get yourself to the place to be a sower in your life, you must get to the place that you, that you speak. Remember Mark chapter 11? Whoever, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he says shall come about, he shall have the things that he says. You cannot be a sower in your life without speaking. He did not say the sower thinks. Because if the sower thinks, the soil cannot hear. If I am going to be a sower in in my life, if I'm going to have myself go out there and sow to receive stuff, then I have to be one who speaks. You got to get out there and you got to speak into your life. You got to speak some of those things that are that are going on. Don't just wait for things to be spoken for you. Go out there and speak them. Romans 10:17 says, "So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God." Faith comes by hearing. Why? Because the sower speaks. You must speak in order to reap a harvest. When Jesus reaped the harvest of the fig tree being cursed, what did he do? 
spoke to it. When Jesus received the harvest of the fever in Peter's mother-in-law being lifted, what did he do? He spoke. When he received the harvest of the little girl being raised back to life, what did he do? He spoke. When he received the harvest of the, of the ten lepers who were cleansed, what did he do? He spoke when he received the harvest of the lame man getting up and walking. What did he do? He spoke. If every time that Jesus in the word of God, every time that he received a harvest, if he spoke it first. How are we going to get it doing anything different? Now, I know this is something that you know, but we're building this something. When Jesus and Peter were in need of paying a tax, what did Jesus do? He spoke. Peter, go catch the, go uh, catch a fish. First fish you catch, there'll be money in his mouth. Be enough money to to pay both. Now I'm not a big fisherman. If Bruce was here, Bruce is listening. Bruce, have you ever caught a fish with money in his mouth? He can put a comment up on there. We'll hear it. I, I don't know too many times that you go out there and you fish and you catch a, a catch a fish with money in its mouth. You would think if it's if it stayed in his mouth, it'd swallow it, and put it in his stomach. But he didn't say that. He said it's in his mouth. He spoke it, and it happened. In uh, Mark chapter four, going on the same same parable, Jesus said this, and these are the ones. By the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. That word was sown in their hearts, he said. It's down in my heart that that word is sown. If, if hearing the word of God can produce faith and produce a harvest, then cannot other things I hear produce something as well? If I hear negative uh, negative reports, can that not produce fear in me? Have you ever had somebody speak to you and produce fear because of what they said? Yeah, or at least you try to. Has anyone ever spoken anything to you and it produced doubt? You were fine, doing great, until all of a sudden you heard this and then, oh, now I'm not so sure. And doubt came up. We're not sowing into our heart. Now I want you to, we're going to keep on going here in Matthew. Because if I can sow good seed, is it possible to sow bad seed? Verse 24, another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. What kind of seed did he sow? Good seed, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. How did the enemy sow tares? In there, in seed involved? But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servants said to him, do you want us to go to gather them up? But he said, 
No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now this is, this is the parable that is talking about the field of the kingdom of God. We can understand that. But it does show you that there's good and bad seed. There can be good seed and there can be bad seed. My fears will produce bad seed. When people show, uh, sow things that cause me to doubt, that's bad seed sown in me. I don't need to let that grow, but it's, that's what it's going to try and do. Now, can someone come into my field and sow bad seed? Sometimes I heard people teach about this. You know, well, I, I've been believing God for this, but so-and-so keeps coming over and putting bad seed in my field. They keep uh, messing with my confession. I'm confessing this and they keep coming over here and they're counteracting it. They can only counteract it if you believe it. If you don't put any faith in what they say, it's not going to do any good. It will not come about. They can stand there and they can, they can say all kinds of things about what you believe. About what God said. And until you mix faith with what they said, it won't produce anything in your life. But you can have the same field having good crop and bad crop. And wasn't that in the parable? Remember the field with the tares and the, the, the weeds? When he sowed the good seed, there was other stuff that came up and it competed with it and choked it out. We don't want to get that stuff in, in our life. We've got to make sure that we keep that out. We want to stand against it. Don't put faith in their seed. Now, as we're looking at all this, let me give you this little little bit here. How many of you have ever b- been believing God for something, but it has not come in manifestation yet? Hasn't quite been there. Haven't quite. And and sometimes we hear some messages, and we think if I don't act like you tell me if this is so, if I don't act like I have the full manifestation of it, I'm not in faith. Have you ever thought that? If if I am believing God for a healing. And I don't think and I don't act like I'm completely healed. I must not believe it. You ever heard something like that? You don't have the full manifestation of it? Now go back to the parable of Jesus. Four different types of field. Which one produced the harvest? The fourth one. Right? Which one grew the seed? They all did, didn't they? Except for the one that got snatched. They grew, they grew the seed. The seed grew, did it not? But when we had the second field and it grew but had no root, we had the third field grew more but it had the tares and got choked out. Did they produce any harvest? No. So what Jesus is teaching you here is that the seed, until it matures, will produce no harvest in your life. Isn't that right? Now, if you go out into this world and you act like you have full manifestation of the seed, you're going to have a problem. If you were a farmer and you sowed seed and that seed sprung up and you said, well, I believe God that I've got a full crop. And you go out and you harvest all those seeds. What's going to happen? You got nothing. 
You cannot act like a harvest is ready until the harvest is ready. Why is it that we got this idea that I'm not a faith person if I don't act in my field being ripe with harvest when I just planted it? I'm not giving it time to grow up and mature. You got to give it some time to grow up and mature, don't you? Is God expecting you to harvest a seedling? No, in the very parable, he says it grew up and some produced 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Let your seed grow. Relax a little bit. Take it easy. You've got that seed in the ground. That seedling's not ready for you to, to, to reap the full harvest on it yet. Think of it this way. If you've ever believed God for something financially and you had a, a I don't, whatever it might be, you had something going on in your life and you needed $500. You needed $500. And so you're believing God. You, you know, I need $500. I thank you that I received $500. And, um, and, and you go off and you're waiting for that $500. What happens if you write a check before the $500 manifests? Well, you're going to bounce a check. You're going to get hit with fees. You're going to make people mad at you. It's not good. Do you think God wants you to write a check on a harvest that has not come in? I don't think so. You've got to wait for that harvest to come in before you do. Well, if I I don't act like it's so, (laughs) I can believe it's so. I can believe that it's true. I can believe that God's word is coming about. But I don't have to behave in such a way that I have full manifestation. Because I don't have full manifestation yet. See, this is what the devil tries to do. He tries to get you to mess up with with your confession. You're believing God for a healing. Then the devil comes along and says, well, healed people would be doing this. You better start doing that. Oh, I better head. All right. Oh, it hurts when I do that. <laughs> it's, it's not quite there yet, is it? Now, you remember the story Brother Hagen told? He's laying there in the, on the bed, sick. He'd been believing God for a long time, building his faith, getting his, his, uh, his stuff going. I've been, I forget, year, year and a half. It's, it's been quite a while. He was uh, believing God and he's laying there in the bed and all of a sudden it came up on the inside of him. He said, uh, he, he, he was having a conversation, I believe I'm healed. And this came up in his spirit. Well, people don't stay in bed this time in the morning, whatever time it was. And that prompted him to get up and that's when he walked on down joined the family breakfast. But it was difficult. But you see, he had been, been sowing the seeds Nurturing water in the seed, nurturing the seed, the seed was ready to harvest. When it comes time to harvest, you gotta go out there and harvest it. It's time to go get it. But don't go harvest in the seed before it's ready. <laughs> You'll mess with the seed. If you take that seed out before it's ready, you get nothing. Get out there and, and, and let it go. How long is it gonna take? I don't know. It's in your spirit. Your spirit will tell you what's going on. It's not that God says, well, I don't know. I don't think they waited long enough yet. Maybe we ought to make them. That's not it. We're growing a seed. If you had faith as the mustard seed. He said, that's all. If you just had faith as the mustard seed. What? Plant it. Let it grow. But then all this other stuff comes up and and messes with you. I've told you my story. We told you the story. I didn't tell anybody what God told me about it right away. 
When God gave me, the first thing he gave me, you know, I think I, I may have mentioned this part to you. First thing he gave me was, don't run any more than two miles. I ran 1.99, 1.98, 1 1.97, 2.00. I didn't go over. I would stop up the road at 2.00 before I would go over. He said, don't run more than two miles. So I did that. I did that for a while. And then I had the next step. Then I hit the next step. And got that. And then that word, I mean, that's everything else I just kind of knew in my spirit. But this one, he spoke to me. And I told you, five to six miles a day, right? Four to five days a week, and do some biking. So that's what I did. And I did that. And it was almost a year, it's a little bit over a year ago, that I started working our, our way back into it. And I told you my failings from it. You know, I stayed with it. I stayed with it until, uh, you know, my running buddy told you the, the story with him. He, um, he wants to go further. And I've made him wait all, he's waited for me for a couple of years. It was 2017 was the last time I was really into, able to, to do all, all that I wanted to do and had all these injuries to get through. And so he wanted to go seven. Yeah, yeah, I can go seven. <laughs> uh, got myself hurt in August of, uh, last year. I was, I was done running for a bit. Uh, the pain was great. Pain was severe. So I repented. Got myself back on track. And it uh, wasn't until September. I was back. I was back. I mean, I got to push it right back into that five to six pretty quick. Gave it about two weeks off. Five to six miles a day. Followed the, the whole thing. I did that for September. I did that for October. I did that for November. I did that for December. I did that for January. I did that for February. And there was months before that, too, that I was, I was doing that. And I did that for February. March was doing it. I mean, I was, I was spot on. Every single week was spot. There was not a variance. Nothing varied. I did exactly what I set out to do every single day that I was supposed to do it. And, uh, and we stayed with it. And then, you know, I had a little setback in March. Got uh, sick with the flu and was out for 12 days. Had a real tough time coming back from that one. Got back and uh, just down in my spirit. I knew, well, you could push it a little bit further if you want to. So I did. And I pushed the mileage up to six to seven. And um, six days a week. And I was doing more. And then uh, this, this week, now this week was a, a, a milestone week for, a little bit of a milestone week for me. Because uh, I knew going into it, Monday we were taking the family down to the shore. Ooh, that's good. And so I knew there's no way I'm running down there. Little girl's going to have me in the water every bit of time that she can get. And then whatever time I'm out trying to warm up, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, a little boy's gonna to want to play in the sand. So I'm playing in the sand, going in the water the whole time. And, um, and she just, she just is showing me that, uh, I am losing my cold water abilities. <laughs> Man, she blew me out of the water this, this year. She's, she's in there. I'm, I'm, I'm freezing. It was 64 degrees the water was. And I'm in there as much as I got. I mean, I don't know how long. Were we in there? Were we in there an hour? A little, little more than an hour? Okay, a little more than an hour. And my, my fingers were numb. I couldn't feel them. Now, I don't know about the rest of my body. <laughs> but, but my fingers, there was, there was, I'd be going like this, and I couldn't feel them. Why can't I? I could not feel it. And so um, after, you know, I'm moving around, trying to get warm. She's just swimming around. She's just having a good old time. No big deal. She's giving me instructions. Oh, just do this, pop up. <laughs> it's not working <laughs> so finally they they came to my rescue they pulled me out we got some uh some food 
It was an hour until I was able to feel my fingers again. It took an hour to get to, to that. And then after I get done lunch, guess what? Pop up. <laughs> Can we go in the water again? <laughs> so we go in the water again. So, you know, I knew there, there's, there's no way that I'm running on Monday. This will be the first day of the days that I, I set Monday through Saturday to run. Uh, and, and when I was supposed to hit. This will be the first day in a long time I have missed. And it's bothered me. Down on the inside, it's bothered me. I got myself up to about 38 to 40 miles a week right now. And this, I'm going to take a hit. There's no, I'm going to take a hit. It's bothering me. This is not bothering my spirit. This is bothering me. See, there's a difference. When something bothers your spirit, you act differently. This is bothering me. So I began to, to formulate a plan. How can we make this work? And so I formulated a plan. And do you know, for this week, I had 38.7 miles in five days. Now, normally, that's not a big deal. But for me right now, it was a big deal because, you know, we're still uh, doing what God says to do. He hasn't given me a release. I'm not running anything long. I think the longest I, wrote, I ran was eight and a half. Nothing long, just, you know, medium distance stuff. But um, got the, got the mileage. I, I got the end of it. I said, wow, it worked. And everything is, is, is holding. This is, this is great. But you see, this is a harvest. This is something that's been going on. I don't let people sow negative words. Well, I mean, they can say anything they want to. I've had people, you know, well, that's not, God won't say that. I've had people say stuff like that. I just, inside, I'm just laughing. <laughs> I can't put faith with that. I, kept, I put faith with what he said. And I stay with that. That's all you got to do. Don't worry about what other people are going to say about your word that you got from God, what you're supposed to do. You follow what God told you to do. But you see, it's down in your, down in your spirit. Now, I told you that for a, point, for a purpose. God, if, if something's going on in yourself, it's, it doesn't mean that it's useless. It's just not to the level of, what, of God. When God speaks something to you, when God says there's something about this, that's when you need to act. If I would have missed it and just run, you know, like 30, 32 miles for the week, it would have been fine. There'd be no problem. I didn't, it wasn't something in my spirit that said, no, you got to do this. It's just something I wanted to do. That was, that was it. So just listen to your spirit. But understand, there's the voice of your spirit and there's the voice of your own voice. Now, your own voice is not always wrong. It's not always right either. But the voice of your spirit is always right. Here's where we get to the problem. And this is why fasting helps us. There's a lot of people who cannot tell the difference between their own voice and the voice of the spirit. This is where false doctrine comes from. They think the spirit of God said something to them, but he did not. And they took that voice on the same level of, as God. And now they're going out there and they're declaring these things and saying these things. And uh, that's, that's, that's not right. That's not good. I said, we got a whole lot of things going on in our country right now. There's a lot of people acting by their, their flesh. There's a lot of people acting not by the Spirit of God. Now, you, you see some of this stuff going, going on with the destruction of monuments and all the, the stuff. And you know, you, If we ask people's opinions, there are some people who say, yeah, yeah, that is, they should come down. And other people, no, 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 leave them up there. And, you know, they have all kinds of, of stuff going on. Do you know... When, they, when these things first started going on and people first started doing this, the thing that came to my mind was the book of Daniel. 
Do you remember Daniel's beasts? You remember the last beast he described? He said the last beast was not like all the others. It was terrible. Vicious. He described it as a, as a, a beast like no other. And this was going to be the final one. Final kingdom that would come in. This beast would go and destroy everything in its path. It killed and it destroyed everything in its path. And people kept trying to equate that with Rome. But you see, Rome never did that. Rome had a reputation of being tough. And, but if, as long as you came and, they, and you were defeated by Rome, they wanted you to do whatever you wanted to do to be happy. Just pay us the money. <laughs> that's all. Pay us the taxes. Pay us the money. And we're good. You, you want to worship this God? Go worship this God. That's fine. Jewish people, you want to worship God? Have a temple? That's okay. We're all right with that. They were fine. They didn't, they didn't go about destroying. But you see, after Rome came a kingdom. If you're here in the end times class, we went over it. The Islamic Caliphate. When that went through, it destroyed everything. Anything that was not Islam, this was destroyed. It was burned. Didn't matter how old it was. If they came upon it, whether it was Christian, whether it was another religion, they burned it. They, they, they got rid of it. This is the same thing that's coming. The, the uh, beast of the end times is the same thing as that one according to Daniel, because it's going to come back. And that's what we're seeing. So who do you think motivates people to carry on this way and to break up all this stuff? Is it God? Now understand this. Your Father God set in the Old Testament memorials for what is good and memorials for what is bad. You know what He did that? Because He wanted you to remember. How many of you remember the, uh, the symbol of the cross? Or the symbol of the snake and the, and the pole? You know, they took the medical uh, thing from that. Do you know that's a symbol of something bad? That's when Israel rebelled. And if they would look upon the, the serpent, then they would be healed. But that was a reminder of something that was bad that would go on. There were other things that happened that were bad, and God took memorials for it. Now remember, because it's, it's good to remember what was bad so you don't go back there and do it again. It's good to remember what was good so you, you can go out there and, and duplicate that again. So just because there's a memorial and it has to do something bad, remember the bad things. Well, I remember that. And that wasn't so good. We don't want to, we don't want to remember that. We, want, we don't want to go back into that sort of thing. But um, you can't always, always tell folks that. They're caught up with emotion. And they're hearing the voice of their flesh as the voice of the Spirit. That's where you get into problems. Don't, don't be doing it. I know the more I fast and pray, the more I learn the difference between the voice of my flesh, the voice of me, and the voice of God. I got to know the difference between that. Because when God speaks something to me, that's on a much higher level than anything else. God, I would like to do this. Well, see, that's on a lower level. That's just something I would like to do. God says, do this. This is how you do it. So I got out there and we, and, and we speak it. Now, it's not always easy to speak the things of God. I'll tell you what. There's a, I am constantly reminded on a regular basis, Steve, why in the world do you tell people what God told you about running and how to get better or all the other things that I told you? Why in the world do you tell people? All you're doing is setting yourself up. If you ever can't run, they're all going to point the finger at you. <laughs> I set myself up all the time. That's all right. 
when you know it's God, you stick with it. And you'll proclaim it. If God whispers it to you, you'll proclaim it. You'll, you'll speak it out. I, I know God said this. If you're not quite sure, then, then don't do it. But, just, but if God has spoken something to you about your body, about your mind, about your habits, about the things... You, if God has spoken something to you, you better wake up and start doing it. If God spoke it to you. Now, if it's just something you came up with, you know, I'd like to try and eat some more of this stuff. That's just your idea. Well, I mean, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> if you get an idea, I think I want to eat more, I don't know, fruits. I'm not eating enough fruit. I think I'd like to eat some more fruit, get some more vitamin C or whatever it might be. I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking that would be a good idea. Well, that's on one level. Then it may be a good thing for you to do. But if the Spirit of God speaks to you in the nighttime or whatever it might be, and he whispers something in your ear, and he says, Steve, you need to eat more fruits and veggies. Guess what I got to do? I don't want to. I don't come back to him with that. If he ever speaks that to me, I've learned through fasting and prayer. Listen, fasting and prayer helps me do this. Now, it's not just fasting. We talked to you, talked to you before. It's anything that pinpoints the voice of your flesh. Anything that deprives the voice of your flesh what it wants. Well, I want to sit down and watch TV. No! <laughs> Why? Because I just feel like not having you have to do that right now. You take the mastery over that thing. That's what you got to do. It's just like when you have a dog. And you have a dog. If you treat your dog a certain way, that dog's going to rule the, rule, um, rule the household. But you got to treat it like it. it's a dog. It is not a person. It is a dog. It understands dog stuff. It looks at the world through dog's eyes. And if you don't look at that dog's world through the dog's eyes, then that dog is going to run your house. How many of you know people? Nobody here. But you know people. The dog runs the house. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, we had to talk to us. The dog doesn't want to run the house, but the dog will run the house if nobody else will. Because the dog wants somebody running the house. He wants an alpha dog in there. And if you won't be the alpha dog, I will be. And so I told you these stories before we went through a course and they told us all the stuff you had to do to be the alpha dog. One thing is, you never let the dog go out the door first. You never let the dog pass you on the steps. There's a whole lot of these different things that you would do. Don't let the dog do it. If that dog tries to pass you on the step, this is what they told us. Is what they said. They said, take your leg and kick it up against the wall. Oh, that hurt people. Oh, that's so mean. It's a dog. It doesn't hurt it. Now, you may don't kick it to, to wound it. You just kick it to pin it. That dog is programmed to say, oh, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> and he'll back off. But if you don't stop him, then he's going to keep on, on doing those things. Now, see, when I was growing up, I still have the scar right over here on my, on my wrist when I was a kid. I was playing, and there was a dachshund. This is one reason I don't like dachshunds. No hot dog things, you know, I don't like. They're mean dogs. Don't get a dachshund with kids. They're mean dogs. And so uh, we were playing around this, this dachshund, and it was chewing on a bone. And as we were playing, I got pushed, and I landed on the dog, chewing the bone. And the dog turned around and bit me. And I still have the scar on my wrist from him when it bit me. And so I just, I learned from that. My dog will not bite me if I land on it. Well, it's chewing a bone. Now, most of you never even thought of that. <laughs> I did. 
I thought of that. That's what I'm going to do. And so when I had a dog that I was going to train and um, we gave it a bone, I got the juiciest, best looking bone that I could get and I gave it to the dog. Dog's happy. Dog is thrilled. I got the bone. And I would go over to that dog and I would take that bone in its mouth and I start pulling on it. You know what the dog would do? He growled. You got to exactly right. growled at me. You know what I did? Smacked it. And after we went through this battle a little bit, and it learned, if he wants the bone in my mouth, he gets it. Have the bone. I don't want the bone. But I want the dog to know, if I want the bone, I take it. And so we, we learn these kind of things. Now, most of the time, I just let it either enjoy the bone because you don't want to get your fingers all on the dog saliva covered bone and all that sort of stuff. But if you drop there to shoot, the, the, you know, the prove a point, that's what you got to do. Your flesh is like a dog. It's going to go crazy unless you pull it under control. You've got to pull it under control because your flesh wants to doubt. It's easier for your flesh to doubt. Your spirit wants to believe. Your flesh wants to doubt. So you've got to let, let it know that flesh, we are not doubting God's word. We're believing it. You understand that? But the way you declare war on it is not in all these other areas. You should declare war when, you, you know, here's a bone, now it's mine. Here's some food, now we're fasting. All right, get back to the food. Now we're fasting again. And pretty soon your flesh just says, whatever you want to do. You want to fast today? We'll fast today. That's fine. And eventually your flesh just stops giving you a hard time. But you can do with other stuff. There may be other things that, you, that your flesh likes. You can deny those things as well. There may be some things your flesh doesn't like. And you may, uh, I'm, you're going to do this just because I want you to. Maybe you eat something that you don't necessarily like. Because you're going to rule over your flesh. Because if you don't rule over your flesh, your flesh, flesh will rule over you. And you're going to run into the situation that the disciples ran into in Mark chapter 9. How come we couldn't cast it out? This kind, this kind of doubt and unbelief only comes out through prayer and fasting. You got to get that supremacy over your flesh. Now, some people get into the, you know, denying self and self-denial and anything that you want that's, that's going to be good, that's, that's bad. You don't want to be doing that. That's, um, that's not what this is about. This is just simply allowing the voice of your spirit to be the one that you heed and to be louder than the, than the other. Now, last week when we were looking at all that in that chapter, one of the main reasons I wanted to take a look at that, well, one, we just had read it, and I knew some people had some questions on it. But the other one is this. If you can get down the voice of your spirit, when you're studying the Word of God, the voice of your spirit will come in. Did you see that? Look at that part again. The voice of your spirit will come in. And you say, I know the voice of my spirit. Hey, that's got my attention. The voice of my spirit is telling me something on this. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. That's what we need to do. Now, fasting helps me to overcome being led by my flesh, by my flesh wants and needs. Your flesh has wants, your flesh has needs. But fasting will help me to do that. It gets me... Now, my, my flesh has no understanding of things spiritual. My flesh has 
uh, doesn't want to have the Word of God take root. There's many cares and riches that are around me. My flesh wants to grab hold of those. But my spirit knows how to do this. But you've got to keep developing your spirit. There's lots of things you can do to develop your spirit. I haven't told you this in a while, but I, you all remember Brother Hagin, when we were in school, he would teach us things about this, and he would say, your spirit never sleeps. It's your body that does. Your spirit doesn't, never sleeps. He says, if you depend on, this is how he put it to us, if you depend on anything outside of your spirit, it'll hinder your faith. Now, he said depend on. And then he got specific. He said, if you depend on an alarm clock to wake up in the morning, you will hinder your faith. He said, you don't need an alarm clock. Your spirit knows what time you need to get up. And he would tell us, he said, this is what I did. I started telling my spirit. This is Brother Higgins speaking. I told my spirit I need to be up at, and he would say the, the time. And his spirit would wake him up. And he'd get going. You can do that. Now, the next day, the dean of uh, Rama, he got up and he said, now, don't any of you come to school late and say, I'm developing my spirit. It won't work. He said, set that alarm clock. Tell your spirit to wake you up 15 minutes before the alarm clock goes off. <laughs> he wasn't going to take any of that. But you see, here's another way you can develop your spirit and not your flesh. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but use your inside hand. How many of you, when the alarm clock goes off or the, the time that you're supposed to get up, 6 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, how many of you get up and your body says, I don't want to? And how many of you even set your alarm a little bit earlier so that you can lay there and just kind of veg out for 15 minutes so that you, uh, you, have, you are building up your flesh every time you do that, not your spirit. You're building up the voice of your flesh. Every time that you resist, if you're gonna, if you're gonna get up at 5.15, that's the time you're supposed to get up, then get up at 5.15. If you say, well, I, I, I wanna get up at 5.15, but it's okay if I get up at 5.30, I can still get everything done. And so you get up at 5.15, you wake up, your alarm went off, and you lay there for 15 minutes. Or hit the snooze button. No one here hits a snooze button, right? We don't ever hit those. Snooze buttons are bad for your faith. Don't, don't be hitting those snooze buttons. First off, you can get yourself to the place where you don't need your alarm. And secondly, when you're supposed to get up, get up. Tell your body, body, get up. Just get up. Don't be laying there. You're building up the voice of your flesh because your flesh is saying, guess what your flesh is saying? Oh, just five more minutes. Five more minutes is not going to do you any good. It will not help you at all to be up for five more minutes or to be laying down on the bed for five more minutes. It will help you tell your body, get up now and get up and do it. That'd be a whole lot better. So that's a, that's a place without even fasting. You can take on your flesh and build up your spirit. These are things that you can do. If you don't need to, to get up, now I, I got one of those bodies when the, when, when the light turns on, I have a hard time sleeping. I mean, it's pretty much over. We've had some, sometimes I'll go to bed, you know, sometimes I don't get to bed till midnight, 1230. We're out doing something, whatever, get home late. That sun gets up whatever time it is. If it's, the sun's coming up at 5 a.m., I'm up. I don't want to be up. I don't need to be up 
I can take an extra hour and get some sleep. But my body says, let's go. We're up. There's no sense in laying there. You may as well just get up and, and get going. But, um, but listen to your, listen to your spirit. What you, what you do when you lay there in bed for that extra five, ten minutes is you are giving dominance to the voice of your flesh, not the voice of your spirit. And that's the, that's the thing that you learn over time and you keep learning it. Unlearn it. You don't just have to fast to get this, uh, get you to, to rule over this. Now let's take a look at this, this story. We're not going into all the detail. We're going to read a lot of verses here. But there's just one thing in particular I want you to see. Two things. All points to one. Now a certain man was sick in John chapter 11, verse 1. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God and the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again, he answered. Jesus answered, are, not, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Oh, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Full disciples are all fully expecting to die here. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, if he waited two days after he got news, what state of condition was Lazarus in when the messenger came? He was dead. When the messenger came, Lazarus is already dead. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary, uh, Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called her, her Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Mary or where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house comforted her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then they went. Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit was troubled and he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. 
Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And they said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Now I want you to catch what he says here. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Look at that verse again. Verse 41. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Is that past tense, present tense, or future? That is past tense. What has the Father heard that Jesus said. Now look at this. Why does he? Why would this verse be in Scripture if we are not to know what he said? If it's important enough to be in Scripture that we're told what he said to the, to the crowd, he's saying this for the crowd, is it going to benefit the crowd any, and especially is it going to benefit us, if we don't know what he said. We have to know what Jesus said that he expects the Father has heard. Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. When Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Is he sowing a seed? Or is he reaping a harvest? He's reaping a harvest, isn't he? Lazarus just got raised from the dead. That's a harvest. How many of you would be happy with that kind of harvest on your words? Absolutely. All right. Well, we already have it down from the other verses of Scripture. The sower sows the word. Right? So he sows the word by speaking the word. When you speak the word, it will produce a harvest. We see the harvest. What was the seed? Let me take you back a little bit further. Way back when he was talking with the disciples. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, heard what? Lord, behold whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, the Son of God may be glorified through it. Did he not just sow a seed? Look at what he's saying. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Why did he speak that this sickness is not unto death? What? Remember what Jesus said before? He speaks what the Father says, does what the Father showed him to do. 
He speaks what the Father spoke. Which means the Father spoke something to him, didn't he? What did the Father speak to him? It may have gone all the way back to the point that a messenger is coming, saying that Lazarus is sick. He will die, but it will not end in that, re- that will not be the final result. Now I'm told that's actually what the Greek says. It will not have an end result of death. It doesn't say that he wouldn't die. It says the end result of this will not be death. Now he did die, but the end result was not death. God spoke something to him. He spoke it out. Before it ever happened, he speaks it out with great confidence. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, some people take from this that, well, God lets some people be sick so he can get glorified in their healing. That's not it. And we told you this story. that you give it to you real, real quick on it. This is the same town he came out of. They were ready to kill him. That's why the disciples were all saying, hey, they, they wanted to stone you there. That's why they said, well, let's go back and die with him. They all expect to die going back into the city. When the enemy saw that someone he loved was sick, they said, well, just wait for him at the gate. He's going to come back in here. He's going to lay hands on him to heal him. And when he had not done so, they waited and wait for him to come and raise him from the dead. They waited one day. They waited two days. They waited three days. But you see, the Jewish people, right or wrong, doesn't say whether it's one way or the other, they believe that after the third day, the spirit is hovering around the body for, for the three days and then it goes on. And then you can raise somebody from the dead up until the third day. The fourth day, you can't do it. So the fourth day came, they dispersed the trap. And Jesus come in, that's why he's talking all that stuff about walking in darkness and light. I can see the trap. The Spirit of God is telling me what's going on. So we're walking in the light. We're not walking in darkness, we're walking in the light. I know what's going on. Now, if you get in there and you raise somebody from the dead after they've been dead four days, how are you going to stone them? That's why he went right to the tomb. Let's get this thing going. He spoke this out, but he's reaping a harvest at the tomb on the word that he spoke a few days before. And look at that word again that he said. When Jesus heard that, when he heard, Lord, behold him who you love is sick. When he heard that, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. When you hear stuff from a doctor, when you hear stuff from a neighbor, when you hear stuff from whatever source that you might get it from, it can produce fear on the inside of you. Just like with Jarius. He got that report. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? That can produce fear. Jesus immediately turned to him. I don't need you to be saying anything here. Don't empower anything. Don't be sowing any seeds that are going in this way. We, we, we've got to stay positive. And so he, he said, just believe. Don't be afraid. And they continued on their journey. The time to do this, to get the supremacy over your flesh, your flesh nature, that part that wants to, to be the, the voice and mimic even the voice of God is way before you ever need it. You've got to be living a life in which you, you take the flesh nature and you make sure it doesn't rule, rule the house. Your spirit rules the house. Because when God speaks to you, He speaks to His spirit, to your spirit. And He's going to be telling you some things. Don't worry about this report coming in. They're wrong. Don't be concerned about this thing over here. 
it's not correct. It's not right. Don't be, don't be focused on that. And you got to hear that in your spirit. Now, if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you've got this condition, these are going to be the results of that condition, that can produce a fear on the inside of you. But at the, the same time that it comes, or even before you got there, the Spirit of God had said to you, what they're going to tell you is not correct. That will not be the end result. Now, you have a choice. I can put faith in what God said, or I can put faith in what the doctor said. Well, he's got all these tests. He's got all these things for me to look at. But you see, if you train up your spirit, you go with what your spirit says. My spirit says, believe God. God said, it's going to be all right. Don't they have a song about that? Everything will be all right? I hear that part going in my head on the rest of it. <laughs> just, just keep going. God, you said everything's going to be all right. Thank you, Lord. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah, but you don't understand. This could kill you. That's all right. <laughs> and you're just smiling. Why? Because my faith is in what God said. Because my spirit has been trained up to hear the words of God. And detect, this is God speaking. So I will put faith in that and not into these other things. I told you some of the saga, some of the saga anyway, that I went through in 2017. And the, and the doctor was telling me, I got over the first injury, we got back, and we're, we're, we're on our way back to, to healing, starting to run again. And then the second injury came up, and the doctor said, just give it up. You, you, you shouldn't be running with this. He told me that. He said, I would, if I were you, I would never run again. I shared that part of it with you. I would never run again. I I heard him say it. I heard him say it inside. I was like, I will. <laughs> I just never. I didn't argue with him. I don't need him to believe the word that God spoke to me. I just need to believe it. I didn't sit there and argue with the doctor. So thank you very much. Appreciate your your time, and uh, and we'll go on. No, I didn't have the word from God yet as to what to do. That came later. But I just chose not to. Uh, I didn't think he was lying to me. I just chose not to believe it. Not to do it. Part of the process of, of getting here, do you ever see those, those shots they put in your hip? And uh, I, uh, I was going to the chiropractor, and I think I told you, I think I told you this one. Um, he, he recommended, he says, you know what? The inflammation is so bad in your hip. It is, I mean, I can barely even work on it. It is, it is so bad. He, said, he told me, I hadn't seen anything that bad. He said, it, it's so bad in the hip, get the shot. Get the shot. He doesn't like any of this stuff. You know, the chiropractors said notoriously don't like this kind of stuff. He said, get the shot. Well, see, I listened to my spirit. I appreciate his input, but I listened to my spirit. And you know what my spirit said? It said, get the shot. <laughs> so I went on down, scheduled it, had a good, you, not anybody, you, you can't just go anyplace and have them do it. It has to be a specialist and they have to be specialized in this particular type of stuff. So I had to drive all the way into the city to get it done. And so they, uh, they had a you know, ultrasound and all that sort of stuff and, and line it up and, and get it all in the right spot and, and they, they hit it and the inflammation went, went down. And they, the chiropractor said, oh, it's a whole lot better. I can work on it now. And so it, well, we still weren't there. There was still a lot of inflammation there. There was still a lot of stuff going on. And so he said, uh, they even told me, he says, now, this, will, this may only do so much for you. If you want down the road, you can get a second shot. Give it a couple, give it a month, give it, I don't forget what time they told me. They said, you can come and get a second shot. And so the, I told that to the chiropractor, and the, he was working on me and doing stuff. And he says, you know what, you should get the second shot. You should get the second shot. I said, you really think that? He says, yeah, you really should get the second shot. 
And so um, I said, all right, appreciate that. And so I went to my spirit. You know what my spirit said? Don't get it. So I go with most of my spirit, but I've trained it. I know how to listen to that voice. And the spirit of God said, don't get it. Now, we went, every time I would go into the chiropractor's office, I only went in there once a month, but every time I would go into the chiropractor's office, he said, did you get the second shot? No. Well, you should really get the second shot. It would really help you if you get the second. Every time I would go in, he would ask me about it. <laughs> Sweet man. Sweet man. Direct from China. <laughs> A little bit of that accent going on. Just a sweet, sweet, sweet man. And he just wanted the best for me. He wasn't trying to hurt me or, or do anything in that way. He wanted the best for me. And um, I just listened to him. Okay. Appreciate that. And uh, he said, did you schedule it? I said, nope. <laughs> and, and I didn't get it. Now, after a, after a number of months, he did finally say, you know what? You don't need that shot. <laughs> I said, that's right. <laughs> but you see, listen to your spirit. Your spirit knows what needs to happen? Listen to your spirit on it. If, uh, if you, you know, sometimes people are taking uh, stuff for diabetes. What's the, the insulin? And, and sometimes, you know, you get into a meeting and you think, well, I'm going to just believe God. And I'm going to throw this stuff. I don't need this stuff anymore. See, what you're doing is you're taking your faith. You're planting the seed. You see the little things start to sprout up and you go for a harvest. Right now, I want that harvest right now. And you, you, you scoop it up. Don't be doing that. I heard a person, they were believing God that they wouldn't need glasses anymore. And so while uh, they, were, they were out there and they were ready to throw them away, and I think the, the preacher, who, whoever was telling the story, and they said, well, don't throw them away. Might have been Brother Hagin. Uh, don't throw them away. Yeah, you, uh, keep them. And so they, they kept them and they uh, kept going. She says, I don't know about these glasses. Every time I, 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 I look at stuff, it's always blurry. He says, well, then throw them away. See, so they got healed. Throwing away the glasses, throwing away the insulin, throwing away the medication, that's not faith. That's harvesting on the seed. But if the seed's not ready to harvest, don't harvest it. Sometimes you've got to water that seed for a little while. Now, see, some of the stuff I'm doing just in the area of running, I did last year. To a lesser degree, even. But the seed wasn't ready for the harvest that I was trying to pull off it. But see, now it's ready for that harvest. Don't harvest it too soon. Don't feel like that's the way that you're, you're going to be in faith by pulling out that harvest. So Jesus sowed those words that God spoke, and the harvest came. Now, that harvest just came in, in just a couple of days. Sometimes it may take longer. But learn to have faith in your words. I put that in your outline for you. Learn to have faith in your words. Don't say stuff you don't mean. You know, when people say, you know, um, they, some of those phrases that they use. You know, oh, you're, see, they, they tickled me to death. I think I've heard people say, say that one. Um, it didn't mean, you, you know, you're going to die. But you see, when you say stupid words like that, you're, you're taking away the faith from your words. Because if I, if I say things that I don't believe, then I'm training myself to not believe the things I say. Don't, th- don't say things you don't mean. That's why you've got to be careful some of the music that you listen to. 
You know, you may be singing songs about I'm crazy about you. Why well, don't really believe I'm crazy? Well, then you're training yourself to not believe the words that you speak. I go insane whenever, whatever happens. You're training yourself. Why not? I don't believe I'm really going to go insane. Well, then why are you singing the song? Well, I just like the tune. You're training yourself to disbelieve the words that you speak. Don't do that. Say words that you mean. Don't speak words out of emotion. Sometimes, you know, we look at these things going on in our country, other things that have happened before. They can get your emotions going, and you can speak things out of those emotions. You've got to train yourself not to speak stuff out of your emotions because things are going to come along to try and do that. See, when Mary and Martha came up to Jesus and they started carrying on, it moved Jesus. But he didn't speak things out of those emotions. When the person came and said, Lazarus, your friend, the one you love, is sick, he didn't speak things out of that emotion. He spoke things that God said. He spoke things that he, he would put faith with and that he would believe. Don't speak things you don't believe. You can go out there and say, well, I don't know about this faith message. I believe... Uh, I just believe I have a thousand oil wells. One of the examples, Brother Hagin, shall we swat us? Believe I have a th- thousand oil wells. Well, you don't have any faith in it. Just because you said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You've got to have some faith in it. That's what the Word of God teaches. Just because you said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to say it and believe it. And I've got to believe it because God spoke it. If I'm going to have faith in God, then I've got to have faith in the words that He spoke. So I've got to know His Word or I've got to know the Word that He spoke to me. I've got to have faith in what he spoke. My faith in what he spoke is what puts me in the right direction. What did God speak to you about your situation? Well, I don't know. Well, then you can't have faith. Ask yourself this question. What has God spoken to you about your situation? Your money situation, your job situation, your health situation, your healing situation. What has God spoken to you about your situation. If your answer is, I don't know, then you can't have any faith. It's impossible to have faith without some words being sown in you. I've got to have that. The seed is the word. I've got to have something sown in me in that something's got to come. God's got to speak something to me. Get with with God and find out. It may be something general in His word. That's still something that God spoke. Believe it. But just know when you do this, your flesh is going to rise up and it's going to come against it because your flesh would rather doubt the Word of God. Your spirit wants to believe it. Hold fast to the things that God has spoken. If things don't seem to be going the way that God spoke it, hold fast to what He spoke. Stay with it. When the the story we looked at in Kings when the word of God was spoken to Elisha and he said this time tomorrow I say a flower or sell for this much it'd be cheap. That, that's a word that God spoke to him before. He believed it. He believed it so much he spoke it out to the people. And when somebody said that can't happen he said well you'll see it or you'll, you'll hear about it but you won't enjoy it. Learn to have faith in your words. 
Don't speak something that you don't believe. If you, if you want to speak something, well, God, I see this is in your word. I don't know that I have faith for that just yet. Then don't go out there speaking it. Get yourself some faith on the thing first. I need to get some faith on this. Father, this is what you spoke. This is what you said. I need to have some faith in this. Get some faith to believe it and then begin to speak it. Because you don't need a whole lot of faith. You need faith, faith like a seed. Faith that will start to grow. Faith that has life to it. You nurture that seed. You water that seed. Just because you put a seed in the ground today doesn't mean it's coming tomorrow. You've got to water that seed. You've got to nurture it. You've got to make sure that seed has everything it needs to grow. And I will reap a harvest. But don't go after the harvest until it's ripe. But there still is a time you have to go after the harvest. There's a time that you need to, God's going to come to you and He's going to say, Get up! He's going to say, Go show. He's going, to, he's going to tell you something. He's going to tell you something to do. Basically, what he's saying is, it's harvest time. Let's get out there and let's get some harvesting done. All right. We're going to close this out this way here today. I want all the, we have the, the children, the youth, your children, youth, college age or down. Anything there. College age, high school age, junior high age, elementary age, whatever it might be. I want you to stand up first. Go ahead. Everybody else is going to be standing up too. Stand up. This is what I want you to do. Your assignment this week. This is what I want you to to be doing. Find something in your life that needs speaking to. I want you to find something to sow some seed. You are going to become a sower. You are going to become a sower. You are going to sow the word and you are going to reap a harvest. I want you this week, if you don't have something in mind already, I want you to have something in mind and I want you to say, this is what I need. It might be something in your physical body to be healed. It might be something financial. It might be some door to open up or some kind of thing. Whatever it is that has to go on. You have, I want one thing. And that one thing, this is what you're going to, you're going to speak to it. You're going to take the Word of God, find out what the Word of God says about it, either something from the written Word or something that God speaks to you in your spirit about that matter. And understand this, no matter how young you are, God will speak to your spirit about your whatever it is that's going on. And you will learn the difference between your flesh and your spirit. And then I want you to go out there and to, and to speak it and to say it. Don't think it. This is not a thinking game. This is a speaking game. You get up in the morning, you just speak it. Every time, this is what I would do. I didn't go around speaking five to six days, all that sort of stuff. I didn't go around speaking that. I knew that, what I was supposed to do. What I would, what I would do is, thank God, I am a runner. <laughs> I sometimes chuckle after I get done. I am, because you see, the, the enemy wants to try and put something else on you. No, I am. This is, this is who I am. This is what I would do. God, God spoke something to me, but when I would get up, I would, I would speak this. I am healed. There are some times I'd be walking around, I'd feel pain. Nope, I am healed. I am healed. I don't have to deny I have pain. I don't have to say I've got the full harvest before the full harvest is here. Don't do that. 
I can, I can experience the pain. It's all right. Pain, you're out of here. I am healed. All right, the rest of you stand up. Now, assignment's for you too. If you are already speaking to something, great. But here's what you, I want you to go back and I want you to evaluate everything that you're speaking on. What am I basing my speech on? What is my faith in? What is, what, is it a verse? Are there verses? Is it something God spoke to me? Whatever it is, I want you to have it in front of you. If you write it down, that's fine. I never one time wrote down that word I told you I had from God. Never one time wrote it down. Didn't need to. I didn't forget it. I'm not going to forget it now. And I kept going over it. If you want to write it down, no, that's fine. You can write it down. But you've got to make sure that it's written in your heart, written somewhere. And this is what you hang on to. But don't, don't harvest the crop before the time. Don't feel pressure to do it. The enemy wants to get you pressure. He wants you to feel like you've got to harvest that now. You've been believing God for an awful long time. Everybody have something? If you're here and you've got something that meets the definition of what we've been talking about, raise your hand. All right. Put your hand down. How many of you don't have anything yet? Raise your hand. All right. Just a couple. All right. But there's something in your life that can be changed. You just don't know what it is just yet. But you're going to find it. God's going to show you some, something. He's going to basically say this. Believe me for this. <laughs> You're going to be reading the word. Something's going to come up on you. But I want to hear what you got going on. What's, what's happening in your life? What you, what you believing for? Let's pray. Let's pray here now. Well, Father, you saw the hands of her up. You know what's going on in the hearts and minds of each one of us here. You know what kind of fears, what kind of doubts, what kind of things we face, what things the enemy is trying to throw our way. But Father, I thank you that you love us, you care for us. The enemy wants us to think that you don't love us and don't care for us. But we know that you do. For those that have already got something in mind, they are going to become a sower and sow the seed. They're going to speak the word of God into this situation with the intent of reaping a harvest. For some of them, that harvest will be in days, some harvest will be in weeks, some harvest may take longer. But our focus is not on how much time it takes, our focus is on the promise and the things that you said. And one of the things that goes along with faith is patience. And we will have patience to see that seed grow and produce. And when the time is, we will reap a harvest. I thank you for all the harvest that will be coming in. And I thank you that this week you will teach people 
how the voice of their flesh has more supremacy in their life than it should. And you'll show them things that they can do in addition to fasting to get that voice subdued so that they hear the things of God and not the things of men. That's the thing they yield to, the voice of God. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'll be praying for you all this week on this, on this line. Not only do I want to see you reach your, reap your harvest in whatever it is that you do, but more so, more than anything else, I want you to see the difference between the voice of your flesh and the voice of your spirit. Because if you can discern the difference between the voice of your flesh and the voice of your spirit, you can get really good at it. God can speak to you more things. And He can speak to you some things that other people couldn't hear. But you're trained and you're ready. Oh, I want Him to take you to those places. More so than I want you to see your harvest, I want you to see this. I've done some things to develop myself in this area, but there's still more I'm doing. Because I know I'm not, I'm not there yet. I still have more development. I still have more to to do more to fine tune but I'll do it and you'll know instantly that was the voice of God and this is what he spoke to me oh it'll be so much easier to have faith in those things doesn't mean the opposition won't come be great against you but you will know this is what God has said So write them down. If you don't want them shared, you just want me to tell them this, that's fine. I won't share them with anybody. But I want to see what, what God is doing with you this week. Make sure you have something in mind. Have a great rest of your week. Bless some people before you go.